Disco is actually my favourite genre of music. When, when have you ever got disco dancing? Well, not much these days. You're a prolific disco dancer. Welcome. We are Neil, Luke and Dave. 340-somethings reminiscing on the runners and riders of 90s guitar music. We look at the bands who soundtracked our youth on both sides of the pond and interview some of our heroes from the bands that defined a generation. You'll hear about the good, the bad and the ugly of 90s guitar music. This podcast is stupid and contagious. Hello, welcome to episode 14 of the Stupid and Contagious podcast. Today we're going to be talking to Lewis from Rialto. Uh, just Luke solo again this week. Stepped in, because as you can hear, I'm a little bit poorly. So, How are you feeling? Yeah, not great, you know. Poor little lamb. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so... Luke had to uh, solo the interview again this week, but he's did a, done a sterling job, as usual. So we'll have a listen to that a little bit later. Oh, oh before that, uh, someone on our TikTok... Yeah, we have got TikTok. We are uh, down with the kids. I, didn't, I don't think I knew that, but yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Also did, like tic- Yeah. Scott Anderson, he confirms that your uh, Martine McCutcheon story is correct. Um, <laughs> but he said... He said it was in a limo, not oh, okay. Never. So the important bit was correct. Yeah. So, <laughs> there we go. That's great. That's great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was right. Martin McCutcheon puked on McHugnall's dreads. She did him a favour. They looked shit, didn't they? <laughs> it was time, wasn't it? It was time. Yeah. A bit like yeah. Michael Bolton. You can't sustain that forever, can you? Or Toadfish Rebecca. Exactly, exactly. Well, and us, we couldn't sustain <laughs> yeah. our, our yeah. bouffants yeah. forever. Yeah. Mullets, yeah. though. We have no. there, though. Or Pat Sharp. He's still got his, hasn't he? No, Pat Sharp cut his off. I think some yeah. people have power in their hair, don't they? I think Michael Bolton, I don't think he's done anything since he got his hair cut. Yeah, Metallica went downhill after that, eh? Uh, what have you been doing, listening to this week? Dave, been Cops, to any more operas? Rialto, no, no more operas. Yeah. Um, the Christmas music's been, has come on this week. Already? Uh, yeah. God. Okay. I mean, For example. becoming more acceptable? Um, oh, the usuals, you know. Uh, this is an interesting one. <clears throat> I thought this last year. You can't play that Gary Glitter one anymore, can you? What's Gary Glitter's Christmas song? Another rock and roll Christmas. Sing it. Uh, yeah. I don't know it. Rock Christmas, rock and roll. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Right. It was I was going to call him Gary Shitter, but I don't want to give him a fun name because he's a fucking pedo. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that song will never get played again, probably. It used to be like one of the go-to Christmas songs. I think it's a, it's a casualty I can live with. Yeah, I can, but... Just, just thought it was interesting. It's not that interesting, really. Speaking of Christmas songs, have you seen those photos of Shane McGowan that have been out this week? Have been coming out of hospital. Always a bit sad, though. Shane McGowan thing. What happened to him? I guess a lifetime of <laughs> of uh, mm. of drinking. He looks. He doesn't look. He doesn't look great. Well, he was. He was on the mend, wasn't he? Because he had. All, he's had all his teeth redone, and 
and I think he was trying to sort of sort his life out. I don't know if he's got any other bigger diseases. I'm not sure, but he, he, uh, yeah, he doesn't look great. I remember uh, it's quite sad actually. I remember me and my mate, my, 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 my mate <laughs> went to see him. He was just doing like a album signing at Glastonbury in 2004, I think it was. He was just sitting there. He didn't know what was going on, and pe- it, you know, he was just sort of he's just sort of forced to do it. He didn't didn't really want to be there. It was just quite sad, really. It's one of those, isn't it? He's a musical genius, but he's tortured, isn't he? I'm not sure I'd describe him that way, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Tortured soul. To- yeah, tortured soul. Yeah, musical genius. That's, That's the mean. part I'm disagreeing with. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Let's get on to Rialto. Luke, do you want to do a little bit of a thing? I guess, first of all, categorisation. I'm going to go for expansive indie rock. Obviously, I've, I've got my Wikipedia thing, and I can use Neil McCormack's uh, description. Or he, so Neil McCormack noted that Rialto were among the most critically acclaimed and highly touted new groups to emerge of the late 1990s, making carefully crafted beat less pop with an epic cinematic sound and slightly sinister, sinister lyrics. I like that. I like that. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah kind of that cinematic sound is, um, yeah, it's part of it. Formed in 1997 in London, um, out of the ashes of um, a band called Kinky Machine, who um, we spent quite a lot of time talking about in the interview, actually. Yeah. Um, they interesting. were... Go on. Interestingly, I... This is the great thing about this podcast for me is I find new old music. I'd never really heard any Kinky Machine. I'd heard the name. I had a good listen to the Kinky Machine. I think it's great. It's um, really good, eh? Yeah. That album... Um, Bent. Fried Egg. Yeah, Bent. Bent. Yeah, the one with the fried Bent, eggs yeah. on it, yeah. Yeah. Um, great album. Really, really good. And yeah. I don't know if you'll... You'll probably tell me to fuck off, but I... I fuck fa- off. I sort of heard tinges of these animal men sort of thing. I was about to say exactly the same thing. Yeah, I got a, these yeah, animal yeah. men vibe in there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, very much so. I thought, yeah, really good band in their own right. So they were kind of like a pre-Britpop um, band, um, kind of more guitar, more kind of more rocky straight ahead, like, like Neil said. I hear a bit of these animal men uh, in there. Um, mm. they, they played on the word. They were, you know, fairly, Did, you know. yeah getting themselves established um they 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 had the way he talks about the interview um elastic and supergrass supported them on their mm. way up right so they were you know medium-sized band they had two albums self-titled one and uh, that one called bent and um yeah you know good kind of pre-bit pop band basically toured with the manics didn't they and wonder stuff and oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah bigger band than i'd realized but yeah mm. Same, same. They finished and then Rialto formed, yeah, in 97. Uh, debut album came out in 98, uh, just called Rialto. And as you'll hear in the interview, just before the uh, label, uh, just before the album was released, the label decided to drop them for <laughs> unfathomable reasons. They managed to get another deal. Um, yeah, they had a, an EP, Girl on the Train, and a second album after that, um, Two, there were a six piece at the beginning. Two members left before the second album. Um, second album, Night on Earth. I hear a lot, it's kind of a lot more kind of electronic y and dancey. The second uh, album, I've, 
I've got that written here as well. It's a great album, though. Again, mm. I'd never heard that album before. I'd, I'd heard the other album loads, but I'd never really listened to that album. But it's, it's Same. really good. One of those sort of forgotten albums, unfortunately. Don't forget it. Go and have a listen. Have a listen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and they Do were it, dropped yeah. by their label again. <laughs> they were dropped twice. <laughs> That's um, a really yeah. unfortunate story. Unfortunate story. <laughs> it's in the interview. Yeah. Massive in South Korea. Yes, 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 yes. And other kind of Southeast Asian countries, uh, Malaysia, Indonesia, Singapore, yeah. The album went to number one in South Korea. And it, oh, it really? Off, okay. It knocked off Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On album. Oh, really? I didn't get that spot. detail. Okay. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. To dwell on that, how do you explain it? I mean, is it just random? I don't know how bands become big in other countries. I don't know how the whole media machine works in that respect. It's usually like if they get a track on a TV show or something like that, like a local yeah, TV show or something. That's happened a few times over here in Japan where like an overseas band have kind of latched onto that kind of thing. Yeah, he didn't know either, right? So that was it, basically. Um, they broke up early 2000s. Um, Louis did quite a bit of stuff after that. So he had a solo album, um, The Long Way Round, in 2004, which I had to listen to. It's, it's pretty nice, kind of acoustic-y, uh, nice mm. little album. He had a band, uh, Louis Elliott and the Embers as well, which, um, right, again, yeah. kind of a bit more kind of a folky kind of thing going on. It's pretty mm. good. And, yeah, for the, the past, as he said, the past 13 years, he's been the, the guitarist for Grace Jones's touring band, well, one of the guitarists for Grace Jones's uh, touring band, which was totally out of left field, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. The whole interview is really interesting, actually. I really enjoyed this one. I was just going to say a bit about Rialto. So the first album, brilliant album, really, really good. I remember at the time I loved that album. And I remember at the time thinking, these guys should be bigger than they are. And I think they should have been, right? It was just unfortunate. I, I, I kind of see them as a, a little bit of a mixture between sort of Pulp and Oasis. Do you know what I mean? Pulp and Oasis? I don't know, Dave, what do you reckon to that comparison? Well, yeah, I like the Pulp comparison because I was thinking about that. Not so much the sound, but more the kind of songs, the lyrics, a lot of sort of story songs. I've only listened mm. to the Rialto album. Um, yeah, and the Fried Egg album before, but <laughs> there are other albums. <laughs> I like it. Um, what do you reckon? Give your um, Dave's opinion. Usually, I don't bother listening to them many, many times, but I've played that over several it's times. Good, right? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I thought you'd like it because it's you know it's it's a good album, really good album, accessible. Um, yeah, as I say, they kind of got they managed to have kind of credibility along with accessibility, right? And they, they did it really well. I'm less surprised now because you find out in the interview, but um, yeah, why they weren't huge, you know? They had all the ingredients to be a, a huge band. Well, just to finish off the story, so after whatever, 20, 20 years, they announced this April that they were going to be reforming and they had their first ever gig um uh, for 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 twenty odd years, so the, the four the four kind of members that that were left, and that was at, at Shine On, um, just a, a week a week and a half ago, which Neil was uh, at. I was there, I was there, really good. This first time I'd seen them, I, I didn't see them in their heyday. They're fucking great. They still look cool as fuck. It didn't really look that old. Well, as you see in the interview, Lewis doesn't really 
Look that old. Good looking guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they still look cool as fuck. They're still wearing suits and got the style. Yeah, just lo- I love the whole show that they put on there. And their new songs, he, he mentions it because he makes mm. a joke of it in the interview about, you know, no one really mm-hmm. likes to listen to the band's <laughs> new songs. But one of the new songs that they played was one of the, the standout songs for me. It was a brilliant song. Something about a discotheque. I always like songs that have the word discotheque in. You know, it might have been disco, sure. but disco, discotheque. Yeah. It's one of those songs. Always going to be good. Yeah. It was fucking brilliant, though. What's your what's your favourite song that mentions discos? Uh, what's that song that goes? You've got you crying at the discotheque. What's yours? I'll go for it's it's only it's only a brief mention, um, but I'll go for uh, "Secret Vampires" by by Biss. Uh, okay, you love Biss, right? <laughs> I do, I do like Biss. So they mention discos in there, uh, which is great, and it's that's a great great song, "Secret Vampires." Yeah, I can't find mine, but it, it, yeah, I think I know the song I mean, but I can't really remember who it's by or anything. Dave, favourite song that mentions disco? That's not a disco song, but a song that mentions disco. What's that one crying at the discotheque? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't Alcazar, was it? Well, that, there, I saw that as well, but I don't, I don't think it is that one. Sophie Ellis Bexter? No, it's not that one either. I do like Sophie Ellis Bexter. Disco is actually my favourite genre of music. I like disco music and dancing to it. And dancing to it. Nile Rogers, massive hero. When when have you ever got disco dancing? Well, not much these days. <laughs> when these did days. you? When did you? <laughs> You're a prolific disco dancer. Was it like a every Friday you'd get on your seventies gear and go down yeah. a local discotheque? No, I haven't done that, but. I would, I would do it. Can you can you show us a few moves? No, I mean I'm not. I can't do like, a, you know, disco dancing. Saturday Night Fever. Nah, I'd like to be able to do it, but can't. Right, should we have a listen to this week's interview? Yeah, here's Lewis. Louis. But I've been saying Lewis the whole thing. Been saying his name wrong for the whole of this half of the episode, but here's Louis from Rialto. Enjoy. Thanks so much uh, for coming on. I guess, first of all, um, congratulations on the, the big reunion show last weekend. Thanks very much. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, well, Neil was raving about it um, afterwards. I mean, how did it feel to be back on stage again after all those years? It felt really good to be playing those songs again. Um, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd had, you know, we'd done a few rehearsals, so I wanted it to be great. We didn't have, we didn't actually do like a warm up gig, which maybe we should have done. We didn't do like a pub gig or anything like that. Um, so, you know, there was a little bit of nerves, but I felt pretty confident that we were prepared and, and it was just really nice to see all the people in the room and, and people kind of singing back at us. And, um, yeah, so it was, it couldn't have kind of been nicer actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, why did you choose to to do it at Shine On? Well, they've been asking for a few years, and um, honestly, they've been asking for a few years. They offered some money. It, 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 they were promoting it. It just felt like, well, actually, that's kind of something it would be fun to do, mm-hmm. and it, that's a nice way to back in. Basically, you know, we knew that be we knew we'd be playing to a good amount of people that we wouldn't have to 
you know, I, I like I like the you know I think Shine On's a fantastic festival, and I think that it fills this space that no other festivals I know of do, which is one thing doing it in November, but you get to stay in a chalet in Butlins or whatever. <laughs> yeah, you know that's fun. so that's fun for a start, and then um, we've also got um, you know the fact that it's a sort of and an, a genre a kind of indie music genre mm. festival. I don't know if there are really other ones, you know, that are quite so much like that. And there's a, there's a bit of a focus on some sort of 90s stuff. And obviously that's when we popped up. Um, so, yeah, it just felt good. You know, it felt good. And they were nice to deal with. And it just felt like a fun thing to do. And also, actually, we had other mates on the bill and that was that that felt like a laugh as well. Uh, like who? who? Who are you still mates with? Um, well, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I've known Miles from the Wonder Stuff forever. Um, uh, Sleeper, we've toured with um, mm. uh, uh, Linoleum. Um, various, very, you know, I mean, Tim from uh, Republica. It was quite weird. We we arrived there. It was actually dark by the time we got there, and we arrived at one part of Butlins that was quite quiet and it was dark and it was winter and it, I felt like I was in an episode of Scooby-Doo you know it was like sort of, expected <laughs> the sort of um you know somebody to come out and would pull a mask off anyway um but then you know then I went into the sort of reception bit and immediately bumped into um a mate of mine Tim who was in uh who's in Republica and was in <laughs> yeah we had him on the podcast a little while ago lovely guy yeah 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 but, He's great. And he was in, as you'll know, he was in Flowered Up as well. Yeah, yeah. They've, they've, they've just, there's a film that's recently been made about their fantastic um, Weekender video. And um, so, yeah, it was just immediately kind of nice to to feel like there were some old pals. And and actually, you know, it's a very, it's a very friendly festival. So there was, react, you know, the, the vibe there is really nice. Yeah, yeah. How did the set go down in the in the in the yeah, room? Great, you know, it went really well, and we we slipped in. Um, we actually slipped in two new songs, and um, the first one I thought oh, I'm not going to mention it because you know you. I mean, whenever I go and see a band that hasn't played for a while, when they mention the new song, you can hear the sort of collective groan. <laughs> <in> your- <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> this sort of disappointment everybody's expecting. Anyway, we slipped one in. Actually, it went down really well. So I thought, okay, I'm gonna let them know we've got another new one, and 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 that went down an absolute treat as well. So mm-hmm. it was, uh, yeah, it was just it was a great crowd, and yeah, it, it, it was a it was it was a really fun fun um, thing to do. Yeah, has it given you an appetite to to keep it going and do more? Yeah, I came off stage just thinking, right, I want to do more now. Right, what's yeah. next? Come, on. I wanted to write a song. I wanted to write a song. When are we playing next? So, um, uh, yeah. yeah, we're revved up actually. We're revved up. Brilliant. And um, we are about to announce. Uh, I don't, uh, we're about to announce a, a London. Sh- oh, I'm not even allowed to say it's London. We're, we're about <laughs> to announce a show for January. Am I allowed to say that? I don't know. <laughs> um, when are you going to announce it? I was going to ask about that later, but let's let's talk about it now. When are you going to announce? 
today. I bet if I, it might even be today. I've forgotten. I, I, okay, I, well, this will be out on Friday. So if that's the case, then. When this comes out, it will be. What I do know is that the tickets will be on general release on Friday. So, um, yeah, anybody who's interested. Oh, that's perfect please, then. Please. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, and um, yeah, just very excited. The band was. You know, we've all we've all been playing. It's not like I, th- I think it's harder sometimes for some bands that have put their instruments down and gone and done other things. But mm. we've we've all been on. Um, we're all you know everybody in the band is a is a is a is still a musician. Um, and yeah, is so it right? You were touring I, with Grace Jones. Is that right? I've been doing that for thirteen years now. Yeah, I've, oh, I've, wow, I've I mean. All my life. <laughs> How, how how's that? Well, I was just speechless as you when I got the gig. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, yeah, <laughs> um, it's great. It's absolutely brilliant. Grace is amazing, and I, yeah, I got I got I got the gig, and you know, I was. Did you have to like audition? And how I didn't, did that come I about? Well, I, I I was two days rehearsal and then off to Australia for for, for gigs. Um, that was thirteen years ago. Wow. It came about. Um, it came about through, um, as these things often do. It came about through a couple of different things happening at the right time or or, or over over a period of time. Basically, I, I was um, I was I was in a I was in a band very, a very when I was like nineteen or something. I was I was in a band um, in London briefly, very briefly. A couple of guys who were in that band are in, are in Grace's band. This was, you know, um, but also that's the, the the more fun story is I was I was at um, my cousin was getting married and he's a music guy. He does um, he's in a band and he makes film music and stuff. And um, he uh, he's in a quite successful band, and he was. Um, uh, can I ask the the band? He's in Nine Inch Nails, and um, <laughs> reasonably <laughs> successful, you yeah. could say. I mean, you know. <laughs> and um, so it's all nepotism. This, I mean, the the cat's out of the bag. Basically, what happened was I was at yeah. his wedding. I was in the wedding band. I mean, this was actually prior to him being in Nine Inch Nails, or so. But he did know Grace, and yeah. Grace's producer, you know. And I, I, I knew Grace's producer just socially. And look, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, <laughs> I'm giving it all the way. Basically, I was in the wedding band, and yeah. um, along with his brother and a couple of other music men, been in bands and stuff. And we were just doing covers as you do at a friend's wedding. But we had a couple of people who were going to get up and sing a song. It was all quite low key and everything. But Grace was there, and um, she. Um, we were going to do pull up to the bumper. We had somebody else who was going to sing it, but Grace. Yes. Grace got up. Oh sang wow! Up. And I'm just like, this is the most fun I've ever had playing the guitar. Yeah. It was in a tent. Everybody was jumping. I was going. This is easy as well. And I was just beaming. I was just like, "This is, yeah. this is fantastic." So uh, afterwards, I said to Ivor, who's Grace's producer, and Grace, you know, if you ever need a guitar player, I would love to do it. And at this point, Grace actually was in a bit of a 
quiet. She she hadn't had a record out for for fifteen years or something. I think she was doing mainly, um, she, you know, she hadn't had her resurgence, which happened around two thousand and ten or something. Mm. She'd had a few years, kind of, I don't know what she was up to, but anyway, it was around that time that this happened. A few years later, they needed a guitar player, and I guess they remembered that. They remembered I'd been in a band with Malcolm and Donny. And uh, and that and that was it. They they I Brilliant. got a call. And, uh, Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. And just been touring the world and all that shit and just good yeah. stuff. Oh yeah. mate, yeah, it's great. Um, and uh, and and having been in a, having mainly been front person in in bands. You know, I played guitar people a bit, but it it was actually fantastic to to then you know Rialto was sort of over and I, I i had other projects going on but mm. to to do something where i was just playing guitar for somebody who's an absolute star and um you know it's a nice feeling just to be to feel like you know what they require hopefully and you're just there backing them up and i i really enjoy that you know grace she's an incredible incredible artist and front person and it's just really great to be in that in that band supporting her yeah you know? amazing Amazing. Um, cool. All right. Um, can we take it? Can we take it right back before Rialto to Kinky Machine? I mean, um, can you tell us a bit about that? Um, that band. Um, yeah, we just. Um, what can I tell you? Um, you know, like most people, I was sort of knocking around trying to, you know, get the right band together. That I mean, I know some bands kind of meet when they're 12 and they, there's very few of them I think and then they just do it for 10 years and then finally they get a deal and they have some you know it, with me I was knocking around trying to be in this band or that trying to do this or that and mm. changed quite quickly and, and um, you know it was one of those things where I just I, I, I think I, I had a I had a sense of, of the like probably like a lot of people's reasons for starting bands is you're kind of doing something that you feel like it isn't um isn't around at that time and i i i was probably interested in i don't know there, there just seemed to be a, a, a less interest in bands of a sort of um from a certain sort of tradition of things whether it be the kinks or the jam or the clash or you know it's at that time it was pre what became known as Britpop. So like ninety three, we're talking ninety three, ninety four. I was a bit earlier actually when it sort of mm. got and got signed and everything. I think it was nineteen ninety one. Oh, that early? Okay. Mm. And so um, ninety one, I think it was. Um, so yeah, it, it, it was just um, a. It, 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 I suppose we 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 had a sense of. A kind of style of music who wants to do it actually yeah and yeah um, but, but it, when it, to me it sounds pretty not like super Britpop but like again maybe you were just do you think you're a little bit a couple of years ahead of Britpop in that kind of sound I think you know I think along with some other bands around that time there was a band called 530 there were various bands oh I love 530 yeah yeah bands, you know and I think that we're all slightly tapping into this this thing that had it happened two or three years later, we we 
might have caught that wave in the way that some other bands did as it was mm. we we sort of you know in a way Rialto and Kinky Machine sort of were, were kind of were, were either side of the real sort of explosive moment sure. of Britpop you know yeah, yeah. We sides of it and um you know I mean it's not really a term that 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 I <laughs> like but I suppose it's it, it it does it somehow encapsulates this idea that we were actually unafraid of tapping into things that were it was quite it was almost a bit sort of postmodern and like like it was okay to listen to pop records that yeah you know me you know growing up really becoming aware of contemporary music in the sort of late 70s early 80s which i did you know um mm. i that period to me was a really golden thing and that that was uh, like what kind of bands are we talking the specials you know madness the beat all of that sort of two-tone stuff was the yeah. first temporary thing that i really got into as a kid um but you know whether it be joe jackson or elvis costello i think there was an amazing moment and you know at that period maybe it's just because because how old I was then but it felt like even when it went on to things like the Human League or there are there were these great um groups that sort of weren't manufactured but came up with these you know great songs and a look and a great kind of attitude and a great Dexies or whatever you know all, yeah. All yeah 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 of, um, vision and a great sort of aesthetic and everything that they really worked out and that that was really appealing and i i think um that was some of the influence on kinky machine along with some 60s stuff as well you know mm. and 70s stuff i suppose it was in a way i suppose it was just a reaction the other thing was it was a reaction to the 80s to the late 80s which just i was felt- gonna say i think i'm a few years younger so i i got the late 80s like stuck Aiken and Waterman version of the eighties, right? You got the cool early eighties version of it, you know. Well, that later, that later part was the sort of slightly bloated and slightly well, not just stock Aiken, totally. Sort of, uh, you know, you just imagine there was a lot of money around. There was probably a lot of cocaine. There was probably a lot of sort of yeah, sort of sort of um, drive, um, and that was unappealing. That was unappealing. I can listen back now to some stuff mm. from there that I hated. Go, okay, I get that. I do mm. get that. Mm. Um, it's, it, it, the other thing is, I think it's all about. Um, I heard somebody else use this term the other day. Actually, it's like the wheel of cool, and it's like context is everything. You know, it's like I like that the wheel of cool. Go on. <laughs> it's like, and I, 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 you know, it's. So I, I think Kinky Machine was a reaction to. The sort of the norm mm-hmm. as I saw it at that mm-hmm. point, and trying to be on them, um, and 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 going back to the wheel of cool, for instance, you know, yeah. there are things that I I can hear from the late eighties that I thought were awful at the time because of the wider context. Now somehow, mm. so it kind of, turns around and it's cool again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It becomes yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. Yeah. What kind of bands were you touring with and, and hanging out with uh, at that stage? And um, what one Kinky Machine? Yeah. Started. The Wonder Staff took us on tour. That was amazing. Oh, that was really uh, incredible of them and good of them. And 
just like, I think Miles came to a gig and was like, come on. So we went and did some big shows with them very early on. Um, who else did we play with? God, it's going back so far. We um, played with um, Manic Street Preachers. We went on tour. I saw them last weekend. Here in Tokyo, yeah, with Suede. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realise you were in Tokyo. <laughs> yeah, I'm in Tokyo. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Amazing. Right. Wow. With Suede, fantastic. Was that a great Incredible. show? That was brilliant. Both yeah. bands were just top of their game. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. That, that I can imagine they're both sort of this bit of healthy competition probably going on on the tour of like. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. They, they, I think they're they're taking the same tour to the UK next year, but they're doing like doing it in Asia first. So yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we did all that. We did those sort of shows, and then we did some smaller bands, and then we started taking bands. You know, we were. We should have been. I should have been an A and R man, really, because the band was doing okay. But actually, I had a real ear for spotting whether it be Supergrass <laughs> or Alaska or we 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 kind of. Um, oh wow! So you, they were supporting you. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. you knew with certain, you knew with certain bands. Like I thought we were good, you know. But you knew with certain bands, you're like, okay, but <clears throat> yeah, it might be supporting us now. But I knew I'd be like, it's not going to be long before we're asking for support there. <laughs> And I saw you played on the word as well. We had Terry Chris in on the podcast a while back. I mean, how how was it to go on there? It was it was great. Yeah, it was um quite nerve wracking. <laughs> Excuse me, I just got something in my throat. Um, um yeah, it was really exciting and it was live TV. Yeah. And so there were no retakes. And yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, it's pretty exciting that to me at the time. And I don't know if there's a lot of that now that goes on. You know, you're a lot, I guess, you know, even Jules Tollins recorded the word. I think, I think, I think it went out live. If it didn't, you certainly didn't get lots of goes to have another pop at your, your, your yeah. Time. I'm pretty sure it did. I, I, I watched the, I watched it on YouTube a couple of days ago. It's a great performance. It's really good. I mean, we, we, you know, we were full of adrenaline and excitement, and this is our, you know, it, it, it is a build-up. You know, when you're, when you're, um, when it's, you know, I, I decided aged about, I got into music aged like nine or ten or something, and started playing the guitar. And by the time I was fourteen, I had a sort of trajectory that I sort of mapped oh, wow. out, mm -hmm. which made me sort of ignore other things you know a lot of other things um so did up. you feel like you kind of made it when you were like on the word did it feel like well this is it i i just felt like okay we, we're this is what i've been working towards you know I've, I've like i've managed to do these things that i wanted to do i wanted to go to art college and start a band and you know i, I and and get a deal by the time i was 24 i had this sort of vision when i was like i say 14 and so doing things like the word was was great. It was like, okay, we're, you know, this is, these are dreams coming true. I think there was also, you know, being that age, there was also, I mean, within that band, there was quite a lot of tension. Um, and there was probably some fear and sort of anxiety in, 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 in <clears throat> at times. I don't, I don't think that's, I don't think, I, I don't think that probably came across in the word performance because we were just like, 
let's have it you know yeah well, I, th- I think around that time i was probably a combination of of um bravado and an excitement and also a bit of a bit of fear like suddenly you're just you've got all this stuff and you're actually being exposed and how yeah. people are gonna got to deliver the goods yeah 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 but um no, it was it was a it was a yeah I've I've seen it not so long ago. Somebody somebody pointed that, that pointed to me to that video of the word um, performance, and it's quite a, quite enthusiastic, energetic. Yeah, it's brilliant, it's brilliant. Um, all right, let's finally go on to Rialto. Sorry, I'm uh, 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 going going off on tangents. So um, so after the Kinky Machine, so you kind of formed um, Rialto. It's it's not a massively different sound but it's, it's enough of a difference right to, to not even realize they're the same band i mean was it a conscious decision to change the sound that you wanted to make yeah it was and i think it was it was a um i think kinky machine was a sort of it, it, despite the the actual demos that i made prior to the band getting signed um which which had a broader sound we ended up being quite a sort of rocky guitar band, you know, yeah. um, and and because we gigged a lot and we were, you know, we were a good guitar band, um, but it did feel like a bit of a creative straitjacket, I think. And we went off, we 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 uh, so the when we when we started Rialto, which was actually me and Johnny from Kinky Machine, the guitar player, and I. Um, and I was writing the songs as I'd always done in Kinky Machine, but Johnny was doing production. And we, we, the label gave us some, by today's standards, pretty kind of basic kind of um, equipment, like an eight track, I think. And then we went up to a 16 track, reel to reel, just in his flat. We had a sampler, a couple of, you know, a bass, and, a, and, and, and we, it was just like, okay, we can, we can do something broader with a with a bigger palette and tap into things that it, it was just more ambitious and more and, and exciting to be able to do things where we could really um uh, uh, let influences whether it be john barry or you know brian wilson or um mm. you know um all kinds of you know things just just to make a more of a an interesting production, I guess, rather than a guitar. You say John Barry, that kind of cinematic, kind of widescreen sound really comes across, right? Absolutely, yeah. We were, we, that, that was a big, um, and in fact, John Barry, I was reading a, a book at the time, John Barry's biography, and he, he'd sort of, there was a nice little um, coincidence. We'd, we'd named the band Rialto because somebody, we were doing the demos and somebody, I remember meeting somebody and she was like, what sort of music's the band? What's the band's music, this new band of yours? And I was like, so hard to describe the music. I was like, well, it would sound great if it was like, we did a gig, you know, like an old dilapidated theatre, sort of torn up red velvet seats or something. She was like, oh, like the Rialto in Streatham or wherever it was. And I was like, yeah, that's it. So that that was the, the genesis of the, of the band. And I was great. reading a book around that time as well. John Barry had grown up in a Rialto cinema. His dad was the manager of it, and that's where he oh, got wow. this um, desire to write film music was was from growing up in 
in the cinema, with his dad managing the cinema. And so, yeah, John Barry was an influence and there was a whole, for me, a kind of connection with all that sort of. That's that great. Sort of yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, did you, did it, did it take off pretty quickly? Did you start to have hits straight away? Um, these things are always a bit slower than you, um, than they probably look from the outside. And, I, and it's going back a while, so again, I can't remember. I think we were still making the album when we first... I think the first video, we hadn't actually fully decided on the name, so we must have been mixing the album at that time. I seem to remember actually we were mixing and, oh, wow. and getting part of the video back. Because we've been very lucky in that, in that we weren't signed, we were actually signed as Kinky Machine. Having oh, you just stayed back. on the same contract? Well, we, we we were we. What happened was we were on one. We we went through various contracts with Kinky Machine. We were thought we were about to get dropped, but because of this sort of explosion of of bands that then it became known as this movement, Britpop, that label actually wanted us to carry on. They they came in the last minute. Were like, you know what? We've set up this new label, and we'd really like to re-sign you. And mm. I was like. You know, we had a big debt to them and everything, and we'd we'd already been offered another deal by another label. And I was like, oh, mm. you know, in a way, for Kinky Machine, it might have been good to stay on that label, and we would have made another record and mm. capitalised on our sort of on, on our on the work we'd done. But instead, we went to this other label, did one single as Kinky Machine. We didn't have a manager or anything <clears throat> at that point. We were out on tour in is, Europe. Is this the East West that we're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We signed to them, and it was it was really, you know, incredible that this A and R man, really lovely guy called Ian Stanley, really liked the band and believed in us and signed us. But we didn't have all the other stuff around us that was required, mainly a manager actually to make sure <laughs> happening at the label. So we went yeah. on tour and went off with Elastica in Europe, and single came out. I think whilst we were away. Bombed. Nothing happened because nobody worked it. And he just said, "Look, maybe he'd had this plan all along, but he was like, look, why don't you just ditch Kinky Machine? I want to give you some equipment. I just want to see. Just go away. Go away for a year, eighteen months. Just do wow. something. What? Do what you want to do. You know. So it was an incredibly lux luxurious, lucky yeah. position where it was like, you know, where where we had a deal. So we were being looked after mm. equipment and yeah and so we went and made made these demos that were quite kind of new so when it came to going into this the studio proper to make the record we um we were very uh we had it all mapped out really yeah so and then yeah i guess it wasn't long after that that we had a single out and that got that got um got some interest straight away and we seem to just it just seemed to pick up quite quickly and nicely yeah yeah it's great it's great um but then make concerns what happened when you were just about to release the, the album then so after yeah. all of that support and 18 months of hey guys take your time well unfortunately <laughs> Stanley brilliant guy was, was ousted from the label whatever happened I don't know and this this the you know, it, it, um, you know, I think for bands these days, there's a you can self release and stuff there. You kind of had to have 
on generally speaking, I think you really need a label to do all the to have the mechanism to do to, to yeah. put a record out. Yeah. So yeah, we were drop. We we had three, you know, hits in the UK. Um, so what? What I mean? Why? What? What? What the fuck? Well, I'm, what, I'm, why? Talked to the guy, and everybody had the same reaction. Really, um, at the label as well, everyone was like, "What, what the fuck?" I mean, yeah, we were doing well, you know, and everybody, all well, the other new bands on that label weren't doing as well. We were considered to be the sort of hopes, and yeah. we were proving we could do it. We got on with everybody at the label; it was all cool. It all looked great, you know. But a new boss came in and. Mm. And just, I never, I, I, my one regret, my only regret is that I never got in a room with him just to have mm. that conversation and say, what, what's this about, you know? And he might have just gone, oh, I just don't, just not into it or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he dropped us, he dropped us just before the album. And I think even some of the reviews were out. So it was a, it was a quite a weird move because they pressed up the record and everything. It was all, it's... it was ready to go. And, it was yeah no, it's the brutality um, matt like since since starting this podcast we've had a couple of similar like we spoke to compulsion they had like a similar story yeah. of exactly yeah. the same thing the records have been pressed and I, yeah. I just don't understand it i mean it's just like the brutality of the of the mid-90s record industry it was it was brutal and i think um you know i'm sure there's some egos going on it's a new boss coming in going well i'm gonna you know i'm i'm but it, it was, it did seem, you know, I, I, looking back, it's comical, but, but I can also see it's almost a bit, um, not quite vindictive, but it's quite an odd thing to do because they'd already spent the money. So actually, right. to, to just do that last thing wasn't going to cost yeah. them much or anything. Um, but they were just like, nah. um, yeah. so, so then we had, um, find another deal to actually sort of license that record to because I think they held on some, I can't remember the boring stuff, but as well as dropping us, I don't think we were free to just totally walk away with that as our own. I can't really remember. Anyway, oh, right. it, took about, it took about six months to get another deal. You've lost some momentum, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, we were lucky enough to get signed again, put the record out. It did did pretty well still. You yeah. Know, uh, very well in other parts of the world, but it, I think our momentum, it definitely had a knock, knock mm. on effect. Um, How about um, the relations within the band? Did it have any effect on that? I think it was cool. I think we were, I think we were riding when we got dropped. We didn't go into a sort of deep depression about it or anything like that. And we were already, we were already it wasn't like our first rodeo. So we'd, we'd, We'd all sort of had the corners knocked off us a bit already by being in various situations before, I guess. And and but we also just probably thought, well, we'll get you know we'll get another deal. The band's the band's good. People like it. You know, great reviews, charting records, chart, singles going in the charts, blah blah blah. So anyway, we um, I don't think it really took its toll immediately on the band. I think it did later because w what happened was we. So we were dropped by that label. We were signed by, so we dropped by East West. We were signed by China. Mm. China then, China was then bought by East West. <laughs> so we I didn't know that. Okay. Huh. So, yeah. so 
by that time it was a bit like okay this this is sort of funny um but it was definitely having a um that definitely had an effect so then what happened was we made a we made a second album but because we were back on this label mm. this, they shelved the record mm. and eventually we managed to get out of that well they they dropped us again mm-hmm. um and we eventually managed to to find you know to license it but by this time the yeah the momentum and the yeah yeah and there wasn't you know the difference is now with spotify and streaming services is that you can you can you're still there i guess and and i don't know i i, I guess without that the machine that used to be required you really were just um you know, you 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 were easily sidelined or whatever the word is. I don't know. Yeah. You just yeah. Yeah. It, 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 a nail in the coffin for the band, really. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad, right? It's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of sad, but it's quite funny, really. And you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I think it's happening twice is is reasonably funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I wanted to ask about um. Like the late nineties, especially, it was like the 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 age of the 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 kind of the what do you call it the the multi format um single release. I was re I've been reading um Graham Coxon's book this week, and uh, he was saying that like for Blur they would have to come up with just for like a single release they'd have to come up with like ten or eleven songs to go across like the two CDs and the whatever the seven inch one and two. Did you have that kind of? That seems hadn't even occurred to me before, but that's insane, right? It was it was a bit insane, and I think that I don't, you know, that the the obviously the purpose of doing that was to sell more items, right. yeah, for the label, but also there was a there was a um, you know that affected your chart position because you could fans would want to buy various versions of the single yeah. because I did, yeah, right. Yeah. And um, but yeah, I think it had a, an effect, probably a bit of an effect on the quality, but it certainly had an effect on the pressure. On you know, it's going to say yeah. Particularly if you're busy, you're touring, trying to do this and that, trying to squeeze in, you know, this other creative stuff. Um, so yeah, there, there was it, it was it was quite full on. Yeah, it was quite full on. Yeah, yeah, that's. Yeah, I guess yeah, precious thing, right? If you suddenly got to come up with some extra extra tracks, it's out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was there was a lot. Um, there was a lot, a lot, a lot required, expected. Yeah, I yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, which kind of leads me on to, I mean, anything that you read about Rialto mentions the fact you're the the first band to release the, an internet only. Um, yeah. Um, single, I guess. Um, how did that come about? That's a, that's a that's a pretty cool thing to have on your on your uh, biography, right? I'm not going to pretend that I had a massive amount. <laughs> it just came up, and it was like, "Do you want to do this?" And I was like, uh, "Yeah, you know." Uh, <laughs> I I should take more credit for it, maybe, but I, I you know, <laughs> uh, no, it felt like it, it. It obviously it was a new. It was it was a kind of forward looking, mm. and it seemed like an exciting um, thing to do. And I guess there was I guess there was um, 
people yeah people wanting to just see how this this new yeah so just just to make clear it wasn't it wasn't digital it was you could only it was a physical thing but you could only buy it online right that's that's right yeah so in a way it was an old idea and it was also a new idea because you had to you had to go online to buy it you couldn't you couldn't um but it was a physical thing it wasn't streamed it was a physical a physical thing and it, it wasn't actually allowed to chart um because the sales of that kind of thing weren't weren't registered they weren't didn't, didn't exist then right 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 yeah yeah, it was you know I I uh, somebody approached us about it and just and it seemed like an exciting thing to do and um, yeah, but I, I don't know they, it is quite a risk though. I mean, no one if anyone had ever done it said this is not going to be in any shops whatsoever. That's a, that's a risk to take, you know. Yeah, yeah, I guess it was. I guess it was. But you know, we'd we'd um, yeah, that was the name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. It's great. Um, other thing I wanted to talk about, um, it's kept me quite a long time already. I won't, won't be too much longer. I, I apologize. Um, as I said before, um, um, I live in Japan and I'm always kind of skeptical of claims that, you know, certain bands are, are big in Japan. Yeah, they're, they're not, you know, the only bands that are big in Japan are Japanese bands, right? But you do seem to have a pretty big following in South Korea and Malaysia and Indonesia and Singapore. I was kind of looking back at old like forums and stuff and all of the messages are from those kind of places which i think that's so cool i mean how how did it come about god knows and it was it was you know and i think yeah at the time it was like, like oh you get one away in japan like you talk to other bands they'd be like yeah we went to japan incredible you're thinking oh, i bet the japanese would like us they didn't really go for it in japan in the same way that they did in south korea indonesia like you say um mm-hmm. and it was it was um, it was quite a surreal thing just to be told that you were you know going to be going to south korea and um the, the record was flying there and then get there and there's kind of fans at the airport and all Beatle this mania. stuff that that um it's amazing you know like um yeah it was it was amusing brilliant it was hard you know everything it was it was was fantastic in every way it just it was just a lot of fun that's all i can say really it was just fantastic and and i'm really it's 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 so nice that there are still you know through instagram and so on we realized how much of support and um love there is still for the band um, oh yeah completely completely even for like you know i'm like a total indie snob for even like uh, people like me and the, the, the kind of forums i hang out in pe- people lo- people love rialto yeah oh, they, they seem to have this kind of credibility with like the indie snobs like me but also you know, they you know, they sold records right it's right yeah, yeah. Oh, right i mean you know i i, I think we 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 tried to set our own bar quite high with real so when we you know having been in a band or that didn't you know we we really felt like look we we wanted to we 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 went at it with the attitude of like we're going to make something really good there's only a you know that's that's our bit done the rest of it there's a whole lot of luck and it turns out the luck we had a lot of luck and we had some shit luck and that was the way Mm -hmm. it is you know but we we felt all along that we made a good We've made something good here, 
and I think it still stands up and I I, I really do you know I, I genuinely think that um, and um, so I guess maybe some people see that as well and think yeah no this is this is a good record you know um, yeah 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 and it seems genuine again I think that like you said it before about being like out of time I think that makes it somehow it makes it kind of more authentic and more genuine you're not you, you weren't jumping on the bandwagon you weren't trying to copy you were the ones that were you know were doing it your own way whatever was happening I think that comes across as well you know well that's great mm. Yeah, that's not a question. Sorry. Do you have a favourite or kind of most meaningful to you Rialto song? Um, I'm I I I don't I was uh, I don't really I think there were some moments that you know I can remember some moments I can remember hearing like being in a, I think we were in like a service station for, um, on a tour and hearing Untouchable in the, you know, across the tannoy or whatever. And I'm just thinking, this is, this is great. We're really, you know, <laughs> you get the traffic lights or whatever and somebody's window is down and your record was on the radio. That, that, those moments were, yeah. were, were pretty right <laughs> yeah um, yeah yeah but actually his favorite songs um i, I don't know i just tried to everyone i just tried to make it, it, it as good or better than the last you know um i think so, you know summer's over so summer's over i'm quite no i don't know what to say don't know what to say. that's all right like, that's right that's all right i'm revisiting them actually it's been fun, fun you know doing them in the rehearsal room and playing them the other the other day um songs that you know there's a song called london crawling which which has mm. been really fun i didn't really enjoy playing somehow live when we did it first time around but um you know I, I think that's i think that's um it's not a bad tune yeah it's great um you mentioned that you played two new tracks um at the at the gig last weekend is there anything you can tell us about new material or new albums or anything like that any exclusives you can give us? Um, I can't. I can't say too much right now. But um, I would love to. Certainly, we're certainly thinking about putting some new stuff out. Um, yeah, certainly thinking about it. And, the tracks and it that went you down so well. that you did live. Have you recorded them? Maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. No, it's all right. You don't have to say anything. It's all right. Um, I th I think. Uh, they went down so well that I think um, I'm I'm quite yeah I'm quite enthusiastic about that idea. You know, it's yeah. it's a funny point at the moment where we've done this show, we're about to announce another one. I think I think if it feels like people are interested in the band, um, then why not? You know, yeah, yeah. And any chance I'm of a wider? I mean, show. if if there are any any listeners that are tuning in, especially from from South Korea or Indonesia, any any plans to to get out there? Um, plans, maybe not. Dreams, definitely. You know, sure. I would love to. Sure. We'd all love to. Um, but there's nothing. There's nothing kind of written written down yet. But you know, definitely love to do that. Sure. 
Sure, sure, sure. Um, any chance of, I guess this is maybe a personal question, any chance, for, for me, any chance of a, a vinyl reissue of uh, of the albums? Again, uh, we, it has been talked about. Um, mm. But again, get, get on the case a bit more with that. I think yeah, it'd be great. Yeah. You're good to do that. Yeah, it'd be great. Um, all right, last question. Um, we ask basically every band member we interview um, the same question. Um, which other band from that era would you have liked to have been in and why? Been in? Wow. Um, been in. I don't know. Been in. I mean, I saw some new, you know, I saw some bands I liked around then, but, um, you know, um, I like Black Box Recorder. They were they were great. Um, I liked, mm -hmm. uh, um, but no, I, I you know I was in my dream band really. Sure, in, sure, sure, sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, you'll have to come back to me on that one. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. And just lastly, then, so how? What's the best way for people to keep up to date with what's happening? And the, any more announcements if they come? What's the best place to keep up with what you what's going on? To go is is um is our website, which is um Rialto Music. I think that's it. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> I was yeah. on it earlier. It's something like that. Yeah. Rialto Music, please go to that. Um, and also, we're on Instagram, Rialto Official. And I think on Facebook, well, I know, on Facebook, we're Rialto Music. And, yeah, it would be great if anybody's, you know, interested to to um, go onto the website and, and, and sign up. We won't, we won't bombard those people with stuff, but we will update them with, with occasional bits of genuine news about what we're up to and what, what we'd like to do, what we've got planned. So, um, yeah, the, the, you know, there'll be a ticket link on that as well. So, yeah, um, we're on Instagram, Rialto Official. We're on Facebook, Rialto Music, and there's a website, Rialto Music. So, yeah. Brilliant. Well, we'll we'll put links in the, in the show notes so any people can just click on it straight away if they're listening to this. So, yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been really fun chatting. So there we go. Louis from Rialto. Good interview. Well done, Luke. I found Cheers. that one really interesting. Yeah, it was really good. Um, he was a, I thought he was like a really kind of thoughtful, interesting, kind of like analytical guy, you know, just. Yeah, I agree. Really enjoyed agree. it. I think it came across that he's always been quite sort of driven in what he wants to do. I think he still is. I think he's still got plans for Rialto. He achieved a lot, a lot in a short amount of time. Kinky Machine released two albums, Rialto two, and I think a third was on the way in a sort of 10-year period. I think it's nice that um, when he was talking about Shine On, they gig back at Shine On. I thought it was nice how he, he sort of said how they're all sort of still pals from back. In, so it's just like meeting old friends. I think that's really nice, you know, to have that community. And I think I think Shine On is a bit like that. It's just all bands from back in the day all getting together and having a good time. Yeah, that came across. Yeah. Yeah, that is cool, right? Yeah, especially you know, these bands you toured with like 20 years ago or longer, 25 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. But he doesn't, he doesn't look that old, does he? He he's still looks young. 
Dave, what, what are your takeaways? You know, he's considered everything he said carefully and he didn't want to give away anything he shouldn't give away. I think I coaxed a little bit out of him. Yeah, it was good. <clears throat> yeah. Some good stuff. I like the, uh, I guess we can talk about the Grace Jones thing, how that came about. It's very interesting. So yeah. his cousin is fucking is Trent Reznor, right? <laughs> well, he's, he must be no. Trent oh, Reznor. He, Trent. Does, he says he does film music. Fuck off. Uh, maybe it is. They do look similar. There is the resemblance, right? Maybe it's just the hair. But he said he does film music, so it must be. Grace Jones doesn't just turn up at anyone's wedding, do you know what I mean? True. True, true, true. Yeah, I think he, he he's just still really into music, right? And it, it, I think, it, like I said in the interview, it's just nice just sort of play guitar for someone and not, not being too invested in the music, but just just playing for the fun of it, right? I'd be interested to see how that changes their their new music, right? So, you know, if you've been playing as a professional guitarist for the last 13 mm. years, you're going to be really, really good, right? So also the kind of music that, that like Grace Jones has is very different from, you know, indie rock. So I wonder, mm. he's got to be like a much better like musician now, right? So I wonder if, if that's going to yeah, kind of that. feed into the, the new tracks. It'd be interesting to see. Yeah, look forward to I hope they release some new stuff because he, he wasn't 100% sure, was he, on that? I'm sure it'll come. Yeah, we need to hear some that that disco song. I've got some info. I just asked ChatGBT, is Trent Reznor married? When did he get married? Yeah. And he got married October 17th, 2009. That's about wow. right from the story. The timeline adds up. 9% sure now, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Holy shit balls. <laughs> Why did you say that? It was warranted. I guess it was. I guess it was. It just, just came out. Yeah, no, man. Don't, don't apologize, man. It's good. It's good. Other point is, well, again, we've talked about it a few times now, but just the brutality of the 90s music industry, oh, especially like the mid yeah. to late 90s, right? But it just seems ridiculous thing to do pay for someone to make an album and then not bother releasing it internal company politics right but yeah it seemed to happen a lot in those days right like with the whole compulsion thing both those bands i could have seen of being huge bands huge sounding bands right and both suffered from the same sort of fate but they both definitely had commercial appeal that you 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 would have thought would have you know would have been mm. enough to satisfy the record company but but do you think, you know, thinking about why they didn't smash it like some other bands? And I don't want to insult Louis because he's very nice, but could it be he's gonna... they didn't have that that really loud person like Liam Gallagher or... Oh, I see what you're saying. Oh, OK. Just a normal, nice guy and maybe not annoying enough. I mean, he had, he had, he had the look... I don't know. That's that's a good point. I mean, you did it did come across a little bit. He mentioned a couple of things a couple of times in an interview about, you know, being nervous in this situation. He said he was, you know, nervous when they went on the word, nervous at a reunion. So yeah, maybe he didn't have that kind of that arrogance that, that you, you need to that kind of confidence and arrogance that you need to well, needed to succeed in the in the nineties, maybe, right? Yeah, like you say, Liam Gallagher. I think like Damon, um, out of blur, probably got the same kind of thing going on, right? Maybe he's just too much of a nice guy. I don't know. When we're talking about his influences and stuff, I like that he was sort of heavily influenced by Scar and 
bands like that mm. in the early 80s, sort mm. of specials. Because I love that sort of music as well. Loads of people like specials, don't they? They're really influential. Yeah, well, they're great. Yeah, and it gave me an excuse to put them on the playlist this week. So that's made, that made me very happy. What about the point that I, I was putting to him that um, people, so he's like six or seven years older than us, right? So they mm. grew up with like the, the early 80s where, where pop music was still kind of cool, you know? So yeah. all those bands like, he mentioned like Human League, but other bands like, you know, ABC, Thompson Twins, Simple Minds, a lot of them, they kind of came out of like post-punk and some of them even came out of like like the squatter, like, you know, anarchist kind of scene going on, those kind of 80s pop bands. And by the time it got yeah. to when we were like 10 or 11 and listening to charts like that, we had like, the, like he said, like the coked up, bloated fucking pop of... Plop. Plop, basically, of late <laughs> 80s. And there's, there's a big difference. Just that five years was a big difference, you know, between cool yeah. uh, cool pop and, like, shite pop, you know? Yeah, I mean, now you come to mention it, the pop of the early 80s was better, wasn't it? Yeah, would it come out of that tradition, right? It came out of, it come out of more underground stuff. And then it turned to plop in the late 80s, like you say. But then you still, you had Madonna and Wacko, didn't you? Stock Aitken and Waterman was solely responsible. Well, not solely, there's three of them responsible for that whole thing. <laughs> I mean, all their songs, three chords, four, four rhythm, crap lyrics. If you watch interviews with, with uh, Pete Waterman, he's, he's very open about it. They were just trying to make, like, nonsense music for the masses that didn't really, that just appealed to everyone and no one at the same time. Rick Astley fans are going to hate you now. Well, Rick Astley fell out with him, didn't he? So. He's managed to reinvent himself, hasn't he, old Rick? Rick Astley, he never really wanted to go down that plop route, I don't think, but he was kind of forced to. Did you invent plop, Neil, or is that a common term? Plop's a word, isn't it? And I just, I've just, I've just sort of tied it in with the late eighties pop music. So I've, yeah, I guess so. I think it's a good descriptor. Maybe we, maybe we can have a game. Should we have a game? Pop or plop? Each of us have to name a band, a pop band, and we have to say, you have to choose pop or plop. Let's do a nineties. Let's try plop. Pop or plop in the nineties. <laughs> okay, I'll go. Um, new kids on the block. Plop. I'm going to say plop. I think they're pop now, but I think they were plop. Dave, your turn. Spice Girls. Oh, pop. Pop. Yeah, definitely pop. Are you going plop? They they had a couple of songs I like, but most of it was utter crap. Let's say plop. You have to say plop. <laughs> There's no point in saying crap. I've been playing pop or plop. Uh, well, we'll agree to disagree. Um, I think the Spice Girls were great. Yeah, no, and the film's brilliant too. We went to the cinema to watch the Spice Girls the movie, didn't we? We might yeah. have done. Might have done. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a great film. It's really sort of Britpop, that film, isn't it? It's got everything in it. It's got all the cameos and stuff. It's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of it's like a Hard Day's Night, right? It's, it's a great, great yeah, British yeah, comedy really music good. film. It's, it's great. better than a Hard Day's Night. I'll give it that. <laughs> yeah, it's good, a hard day's night. It's good. Uh, pop or plop, let loose. Definitely pop. I, don't, I haven't heard of them. Let loose. Crazy for you. Crazy. Crazy for you. And there's nothing that I won't do. I'm okay. caught by the look in your eyes. <laughs> and it's all for the love of you. Is it not ringing any bells? Pop or plop. I haven't got it yet. I guess <laughs> you know. It's pop for me. 
Yeah, definitely. A pop. Love that tune. Based on your evidence of our version, what, what do you give it, Dave? Plop. I think we've digressed a little bit. <laughs> Is that the end of Pop or Plop? For this, this week's instalment of Pop or Plop. Can I just give a quick shout out to my, my mum? Because this reminds me of a game she invented called uh, Dead or Dane. Nice one, Joyce. So Kinky Machine, they were signed, and I like the way that they're the same record label that eventually just said, fuck off, we're not releasing your album, said you can have like 18 months, go and write yourself an, a nice album, take your time. Here's some equipment as well. Go and make the album you want to make. So they did, and then they said... You took too long, you dropped. <laughs> <laughs> Nuts, isn't it? It's nice. What a great opportunity to have that, though. Uh, you know, to just be given free reign to sort of make the music you want to make. And then they got mm. stiffed again because yeah. they moved labels <laughs> and they took over the record label. He said they got a lot of, you know, although a lot of shit stuff happened, a lot of great stuff happened, you know, and they still they still enjoyed relative success. Do you know what I mean? They were a big band. Yeah, and huge in South Korea and Indonesia. Still, probably. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, I was looking at like his um, the like the Instagram posts like recently about like the reunion and stuff, and most yeah. of the comments from underneath were from like Southeast Asian countries. Oh, really? Like, come, so come to Malaysia. Sort of come to Indonesia. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great, though, isn't it? It's really cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if you're if you're tuning in from uh, South Korea or Malaysia or Indonesia or Singapore or any of those countries. Welcome to the podcast. I would say in, in a different language, but we're not, we don't know any other languages. I mean, I can, yeah, I can do Japanese. Go on, do that. Konnichiwa. 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 No, no, you're just taking <laughs> a piss, that's racist. Don't put on it. <laughs> you might as well have done that thing with your eyes. You did the equivalent of that with your voice. Let's just try it, you know, trying <laughs> to put some energy into it. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. yeah. Good, good racist, racist energy. I also thought it was quite interesting, like back then, if you get dropped from your label, that's kind of it, because you haven't got the internet. We'll move on to the other interesting thing about the internet in a minute, but um, it hadn't really come about. It was just in its infancy. So if you're a band trying to make it without a label in those days, it's pretty impossible, really, to get any sort of traction. I think that's what you kind of said. But once once you lose that, you've what have you got? Whereas now you can you can self self release stuff that you couldn't really do that back then at all. So yeah, which means that the record label had like total control over your your life and your destiny, right? Absolutely, yeah. So um, you know, although a lot of things have changed for the worse with streaming and stuff, it does give bands without record labels uh, a, a chance, you know which they didn't used to have, which I think is good. But then that does lead us on to the, the other interesting internet connection. Well, yeah, the first band to release, is that worldwide? Yeah, I think so. Physical release, but you could only buy it via the internet, right? Yeah. So it wasn't in any shops. So that was, and that was back in 1998, was it? Yeah. I think it was? Yeah. The early stage. I remember, because at university... We had, in our library, we had three computers with the internet. You had to, like, book them out. They were super slow. I remember I used to be on the 
Yeah, the NME were quite uh, early kind of adopters of the internet. So I was like a total enemy, mm. obsessively <clears throat> reading kid. So I was on NME forums. I think, again, I had to go to the computer in the, on campus. I think mm. like 97, 96, 97, I was on the NME forums. It was fun. It was fun. My handle was David Hasselhoff, if you were, if you were on those, if you remember. So there were two James Bond connections in the interview, Grace Jones and John Barry. Right. Well, uh, we were going to talk about John Barry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, we were going to come back to that. Just talk about their name, right? The, how they got their name. So the music became before the name, didn't it? Oh, yes. Yeah, we were talking about the cinematic sound and I, I didn't really understand that. So you were going to explain it to me. That was a conscious part of their music, wasn't it? To make music that, that sounded cinematic sounded kind of broad and expansive and kind of widescreen compared to you know a lot of the indie rock that was around at the time yeah but what what does that mean well if you listen to like a song like untouchable it's really sort of big sounding songs they've got a bit of orchestration in there bit of drama got it got it but what was the john barry connection then because i've i've noted that down but i didn't know what it was he was some kind of inspiration but did they meet him no, but they found out after that John Barry grew up in a Rialto cinema. Ah, uh, yeah, that was it. Have we got anything else to say about Rialto? Pick our favourites. Well, favourite songs? Mm, okay. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Untouchable. I don't care. I know it's their most famous song, and Reddit people will hate me for it, but I, I love that song. It's, it's an epic indie belter, isn't it? Yeah, one that stood out for me was, I don't know why, really, uh, Broken Barbie Doll on that. Oh, it's oh, good, Broken yeah. Barbie Doll. I like that one too. I was looking at the number of listens and that's one of the fewest. Mm. I, I like that I song. That was one of my standout tracks too. I like Broken Barbie Doll. Yeah. Luke? I really like Love Like Semtex. It's like a slow, kind of slow burner. Um, mm. It's got a kind of a, well, speaking of films, a kind of film noir kind of feel to it. I think that's it's really cool. Uh, Dream Another Dream, I really like as well. It's got that kind of na-na-na-na thing going on. Um, yeah, I go for Love Like Semtex, so it's kind of the slow, slow, creepy one. He mentioned in an interview that they were going to be announcing um, a London show. That's been announced now. So it's for January the 26th at the Lexington uh, in London. Right. And I think he said that tickets go on sale today. Uh, when this comes out, so Friday, the whenever that is, the first it'll be first of December. Mm, um, so yeah. if you're listening, um, yeah, um, we'll put some links to the website and stuff on the on the show notes, and yeah, get in there, get some tickets. It's going to be great. The show at Shine On was brilliant. So if anyone was a Rialto fan, then they still got it. So go and watch, go and watch it for sure. Go and show some support. Buy a ticket. Buy a ticket. If you're in South Korea, get a plane ticket. Get over. No, a carbon footprint, man. Oh, yeah. True, true. It's true. better to get them there. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for uh, keeping us keeping us uh, environmental friendly on this podcast. You're right. Luke, you should be ashamed. I, I apologise to the planet. But go plant some trees now. <laughs> That's a, offset I your, will, I will. You have to, have to offset your carbon footprint. But you I didn't. Just I just did, I didn't actually do it. I just kind of suggested it. Does that it doesn't matter? Does that count? The intention was there. Yeah, it's just fewer trees you need to plant. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Can I do like well, like a bonsai do? If you just thought it, yeah, but you said it. You encouraged it. 
And you encourage people. Like full, full big fuck off trees. Yeah, you put it, you put it out there that it's a good idea to get to get a plane to another country to go and watch a gig, and now people are going to do it. Uh, I think that's uh, okay. Okay, that's, this that's is how fair. it starts. This is how it starts. You're right. You're right. You're right. All right. All right. I will. So you better get out there and plant some of those fucking trees. <laughs> If you're watching this, then please do give it a thumbs up. Uh, leave a comment below. Let us know your favourite Rialto songs, albums. Let us know when you if you've seen them live, if you're going to see them live. Yeah, anything Rialto, drop us a comment in the box below. Box in the comment section below. And subscribe to the channel so that we can let you know when new episodes come out. If you're listening then please do rate, review the episode or podcast or whatever you need to do so that other people can find it. It's quite important that you do that. It really helps us out. So please do do that. Luke? Yeah, if it's your first time listening, uh, we're starting to build up a bit of a back catalogue now. So um, if you like this kind of music, go back, uh, subscribe, go back, download everything and, um, yep, start making your way back through... uh, through the back catalogue. Yeah, because you're missing out. It's hilarious. There's some hilarious stuff in there, isn't there? I think we had a laugh in episode three, didn't we? <laughs> I remember that. That was good. <laughs> that was great. So if you that want to go to that one. Yeah, episode yeah. three. Yeah. <laughs> um, don't forget, as usual, there's a mixtape. Unfortunately, only the first album is um, is on uh, Spotify, so I've had to limit it to that. But there's loads of other stuff that he talked about in the interview that I've managed to put on there. So it's a really good mixtape um, again. So yeah, yeah, get, have a listen to that. The link will be uh, in the show notes. I guess that only leaves Dave up over to you. See you in a minute.